This show is proudly sponsored by Coinspot.com.au, with the largest range of cryptocurrencies anywhere in the Australian market. With an updated verification process, you can now be verified using only your driver's license or passport within seconds. You can instantly deposit funds and instantly start buying and selling your favorite cryptocurrencies in under five minutes. Coinspot are giving away $10 worth of free Bitcoin for each verified user once they make their first deposit. Just go to coinspot.com.au forward slash BTC123. Trader, trade, trader, Cobb Crypto Podcast. Podcast. This is the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. All right, g'day everybody. Welcome to the TraderCom Crypto Show. I've uh, got a guest with me today. I'm absolutely over the moon to have Kim Jones, who's all the way in Poland right now. And you know, the best thing about Kim is that she knows what she's talking about. And I've got my first female guest, which makes me absolutely over the moon. So welcome, Kim. Thank you very much for your time all the way over there in Poland. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be joining you and very excited to be your first female guest. It's a real privilege. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, look, what I want to ask you, first of all, is just to give us a little bit of background on who you are, what you do. I mean, uh, Kim is from Coin FM. We'll talk more about that shortly. But what is it that you do in this space and what are your objectives? Yeah. Um, so I've been with uh, the Coin FM management team for about three years now. And, um, you know, it's been in operation since 2014. And mainly, you know, we were just kind of a, a group of individuals who are interested in Bitcoin and in the emerging cryptocurrency space and had individually been investing and doing some trading. And decided to get more serious and to you know make make more of a formalized business out of it as more people were becoming interested in it both in the U.S. and in Europe. So basically, what we try to do, especially through um, our podcast, is just to share news and recent um, you know information about the space, educate people who are who might be kind of new to the space or considered newbies, to help them feel more comfortable with the language of it and just with um, things that would help them make smarter decisions with their portfolios. Absolutely brilliant. I have had a quick listen through some of the podcasts, and guys, it's um, it's really good as far as bringing some information on daily events and news. Um, what I did notice, uh, Kim, was the professional approach, the, the newsreader type approach, and um, very soothing uh, delivery. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad to hear that. You know, I think I think it's really important to try as much as we can not to be too sensational about things. You know, because the crypto space changes so much from day to day, and especially you know when when people are saying you know oh Bitcoin is going up, it's you know this one is going to the moon, that one's going to the moon. Within an hour, everything can change, you know, so it's really important to keep a keep kind of an even tone about things um, so that our listeners have a chance to just absorb it and then make a judgment for themselves, especially now as all these kind of things come up about um, manipulation in the different markets. You know, it's just better to just hear the facts, I, I think, and let people determine for themselves what's best for them. I mean, that's pretty much what the message has been across uh, a number of my interviews and my own personal shows in the morning is the understanding of what's actually going on. And the, the way that I explain it is really understanding what is happening as opposed to the noise. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate and had some fantastic mentors uh, and I've, I've asked them all the same question when I, was, when I was much younger and I sort of said, 
at what point did you go from, say, a 2 million turnover to a 20 million turnover? And the answer that was across the board as a uniform, this was over many years, the, the same answer kept cropping up. And that was the idea is if I could work out what that similarity was, it would help me. The answer was when you stop working in the business and you start working on the business. And I think it's a perfect uh, little saying or analogy for anyone in business, for one, but also with cryptocurrency, because we see it's a, it's a completely online community. We see people in Slack groups, Telegrams, Facebook, YouTube, every single place that you can imagine. And what people are doing is they're whipping up all of this you know, inside rubbish and noise that one person puts a chart up with 600 lines on it and says, oh, here's my story for it going higher. Half an hour later, they've gone and built another story and they, they really don't know what's going on. Whereas if you come outside of that noise and look at what the projects are doing, who is coming into this space what are the developments and understand the underlying structure and the way that this can actually uh, emerge into a, a truly amazing new economy and new marketplace i think that people will get a lot more calm about the whole thing it's very emotional out there it, absolutely that's the word of the day i think the word of the year probably is emotion you know and we have to be very careful with that because for sure the more emotional people get and the more that you know money is just kind of being thrown into this without much research or anything is the more that the regulators are going to become uh, quite interested in it and you know from the negative point of view um and the thing is you know i think that it is an emerging space we it's, it is important to have regulation anytime that there's money and new businesses being formed. But, you know, it's important to have that education piece to ensure that even the regulators know that, hey, it's all right. We know what we're doing. And one day we will be capable of, you know, self-regulating even because we are educated and we have a good foundation. So I agree with you 100 percent. Uh, regarding the uh, the immaturity, the emotion, and the regulation, sort of tying that into one big bunch. I know there's been a lot of uh, talk out there about the you know Facebook banning all the advertising in crypto, the same Mailchimp, um, many other large internet-based uh, you know megaphones, sort of creating a, a little bit of. Well, it's not funny. The fact of the matter is, is, is that they're managing their downside. It, it's that simple. They don't want a class action against them. But I think that what people have in this space, for whatever reason, there's so many conspiracy theories out there. I, I just, I, I question sometimes the, the, the thought process behind this market. And it is a young market. Let's be honest. It's, it's. Uh, if we talk about traditional stock markets, we're, we're looking at a, a much older demographic. It's, it's, you know, it's easy to go online and buy shares. Yes, warranted. But to put, you know, if you're 21 years old and you want to invest a thousand dollars. You putting that into the stock market is not that inspiring because the returns are relatively low and a 21-year-old may be interested in investing, but having the know-how and having the ability to go, well, I'll put this in and maybe in 30, 40 years it'll be worth something, that's not we want instant gratification. Young, younger generation, the millennials, which I fall, I think, just outside of, they they want that instant gratification. We're we're in the age of Instagram likes, we're in the age of instant celebrity. Uh, and I think that that's damaging the market as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, as fun as it has been to look at the memes and the Lambos and the Bitcoin billionaire songs, you know, the, there does have to be a serious piece behind that in, um, you know, kind of separating out the reality from the fiction. 
And, you know, from my perspective, I can say my background um, is in business. I, I went to business school. I have an MBA. I worked at, um, at one point, the largest, but let's say the second largest uh, custodian bank in the world. You know, so I'm not a technical person by any means. I wouldn't call myself a trader, but, you know, I do understand finance and, and how money moves. And I can tell you that when I took a course way back when during my MBA program about the stock market and investing and, you know, the, the value of money and et cetera, I, I really didn't understand. I was clueless. And my professor told me, you know, if you don't pull it together, you're probably going to get a D in this course. And I said to her, lady, if I get a D, I will be so proud of myself, you know, because I, I don't understand this stuff. And for me, getting into crypto investing and especially seeing, you know, how things kind of exploded towards the end of last year, it really is like a crash course study in, in economics and, and finance. And I think especially for those people who can't quite get a grasp of the traditional stock market, um, you know, it, it is a learning in itself to understand what happens when you invest and when other people are investing and how, you know, the, the news and the events can, um, and just somebody tweeting can impact your investment, you know? So in that regard, I think that it's a, it's a good um, real world educational tool because, you know, the, 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 the things that we see in the stock market, the stock market itself, from my perspective, um, it's it's really just a bigger scale, a more mature model of, of the cryptocurrency space, um, in my opinion. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's, it's a good uh, educational tool, if nothing else, the crypto market at this moment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been trading actively for 11 years now. I've been participating in markets since I was 16. Uh, but yeah, the last sort of 11 years has been my, it's been my life. It's been my focus. It's been my, my work. I've been in crypto since just last year um, when I saw there was enough volume and activity for me to be able to, you know, use my particular trading strategies, which are checklists, um, to, you know, trade the market that for me what i see in crypto is the cycles that we have in traditional markets tend to be sort of seven years it's, it's the average we're now in our ninth year now it's, it's a very 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 long one the, the longest one i think in, in modern time was uh, up to 2000 leading into the dot-com crash um we are nine years into this uh, bull run from the global financial crisis and it's getting interesting debt the same thing's repeating itself and it will repeat itself but what what we see in crypto is the cycles of a seven-year cycle in traditional markets happens two three times a year so your learning curve can increase significantly the interesting and dangerous thing about that is that the learning curve is only there to learn from if you give yourself the opportunity to learn. So three cycles in one year, for example, one cycle in seven years in traditional markets, that cycle, you've got a lot of time to spend trying to make little mistakes and learn little mistakes. Whereas in crypto, those cycles are so quick, they can be so brutal that they can really do damage for people. So I think that's really important to understand. I mean, my, my, my next sort of question is, is you know, when you said you've got your MBA and you, you studied business and whatnot, I would, uh, I'd have to imagine that part of what you've understood and learned in, in your study and, and real life um, experience would be around studying emerging markets have you had a, a bit of a understanding around what to look for how it looks and whatnot i mean are you 
privy to that? Yes, I, I do have some experience with that, and especially with um, having moved from New York City to Poland, you know, and, and seeing just the change within the past eight years since, uh, since about 2010, uh, just with the markets here. And, you know, as, as we see around the world that uh, individual pockets do become more wealthy overall, then we can see, you know, their impact in the in the overall crypto space and in the markets in general. So, you know, I have some, uh, let's say, theoretical training from school, but I've also seen it in real life. Where when I came in in 2010, there were people who said, you know, wh- why why do you guys drive SUVs in America? Why is this in America? Why that? And frankly, now there are some places where you know it, it looks like a little a little America right here. Um, so, you know, that's that's globalization. So, I mean, what what I'm getting at, I mean, the, the question that what let me tell you what I'm seeing, right? For, for me, I've traded a long time. I, I've never, I've not, I've not been in investment banking. I've, I've not gone down that path. I've done it my my way. I've learned from successful traders. I've managed to get around them and sort of create my own ecosystem. I, I suppose I've had a, I have had a, a fund. I, I've managed a private equity before um didn't really enjoy it too much to be absolutely honest with you and and i went back to just trading for myself but i guess what i'm getting at is this i I studied emerging i studied the dot-com because i saw that as a a wonderful uh thing to learn from because i thought well this is something that made a lot of people a a huge amount of money but a lot of people had large paper wealth and then it all disappeared now i wanted to understand what that looked like um, from the outside so that if it does pop up again that i could be somebody who got into it early enough and got out of it at the right time and was able to use that relatively small period of time for an emerging market to to build significant wealth now I spent a lot of time on that and for me i was told about bitcoin in 2013 and i I didn't take i didn't take any notice of it because i'm I'm not a i'm not a tech vc i'm not a tech investor per se i'm a trader didn't have the volume for me and people say to me well aren't you devastated that you didn't buy in 2013 and my answer to them is absolutely not no the reason you know i say that is because had i have done that i would have broken my rules and had i have broken my rules yeah i would have had some bitcoin but i wouldn't have had everything else that i've got and, and the structure to my trading but i'm seeing an amazing um correlation in many ways some ways not so much but in many ways between the dot com and the the, the rise of of the internet uh, and also with with this blockchain technology and and it excites the 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 Christ out of me. It really, really excites me because I see this as the most amazing opportunity I'll probably get in my lifetime. And to be well positioned as far as you know, right skill set at the right time, um, I, it, it really, really excites me. And as much as I'm not the guy that goes and tries to tell everybody to get into crypto, not at all. I talk about crypto all day long in, in videos and interviews and everything. The last thing I want to do is try and speak more about it. If someone asks me, I'll, I'll give them my opinion. But I, I do genuinely believe we are in a very, very, very amazing space right now. And people need to understand what to look for in projects and look at the bigger picture. Invest as uh, if you're going to be a hodler, be one. Don't look at Blockfolio every day. Research good projects, make your decisions, and then let it happen. It's, it, yeah, you don't need yeah. to be there all the time. I, I agree. I think that you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's, it's funny as you say that. And in speaking about, you know, the changes that we've seen, um, you know, locally here in, in Poland, um, recently I was, I was in a corporate office and one individual, this was last summer, so the summer of 2017, before Bitcoin really, you know, was just, exploding like crazy at the end of the year 
And he had been speaking with a few of his coworkers and he was saying, you know, this is the time, guys, you really need to get in on this Bitcoin. You know, this is the time. And here, you know, they do have a very good reputation. And I think it's a true reputation that they're quite good at IT. You know, it, it's it's just something that's known. There's a lot of IT outsourcing here as well as finance. So it's kind of the perfect environment, I think, um, for a lot of development in the space. And, you know, I think also one of the nice things about Europe in general is that um, there's a strong focus on blockchain technology and the companies, even multinational companies here uh, from even two years ago, you know, there have been discussions about developing blockchains um, and, you know, how it could be used internally for doing financial transactions and uh, data storage and et cetera. And I think that that's definitely an important piece to make sure that, um, uh, you know, millennials and, and younger folks are involved in the technology piece and the development of it and how it can continue to grow beyond just, you know, currently making money through through the cryptocurrency space. But for sure, I, I agree with you, the parallels with the dot-com era, but, you know, for sure, the focus here is, is on the technology itself. I agree. And I think that there's, I mean, I like to sort of say crypto assets as opposed to cryptocurrency. Uh, and the only reason is that uh, it's, it's bigger than currency. Um, uh, cryptocurrency is one form. It's, you know, it's one form that it's it's a, a good form. I, I don't, I'm not of the belief uh, personally, and some people will you know, not like me for this, but, you know, I say it how I see it. Um, I, I'm not of the belief that, you know, banks will disappear and the whole world will change and Bitcoin will be God. And it, I don't, I don't have that belief or sentiment not in my lifetime anyway i believe that the space can be shared between both i believe there's too much control uh, and manipulation by the big banks uh, and i think that uh, the people having something uh, for themselves to take care of and look after i think that is a crucial crucially important part uh, of 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 life in the in this century that we're in in this techno technological age i also believe that um you know if people just focus on cryptocurrency, and you get people that still, when you talk about cryptocurrency, initially they go, oh, that Bitcoin thing, isn't that just gambling? Isn't that for the dark web? Isn't that for drug dealing? Isn't that for, and you go, look, in all honesty, I understand your perspective. I understand that the media portrays it in a certain way. That the stories that are in the media are generally somebody just, you know, this got stolen from Bitcoin or this person lost their hard drive and it's worth $68 million or, you know, there's this Jimmy over here selling a house and they're taking Bitcoin. They're not intelligent stories. They're, they're dumb stories. They're pieces that are silly that they don't go out there and say, for example, you know, there's businesses coming onto the blockchain that make business transactions cheaper. It makes the democratic process safe and unhackable. Uh, all these list cases for blockchain, technology, not cryptocurrency, but blockchain technology, which is really, that's the breakthrough for me. The, the blockchain, that for me is the internet. It, it's the progression of the online world that we have. It, it's blockchain. It's making transactions. Try, like it, it's, it's fixing a lot of things. And if I think that the um, big business coming into the space, they can see, okay, well, if we use this, we can do uh, faster track transactions across borders. We can do it cheaper. We can do it faster, and we can cut out you know an entire division of of a bank, for example. I know for a fact you know, one of the top four uh, banks in Australia they've been using blockchain technology for the last couple of years, and they've been using it to clear trades across their trading desks um, from London to Sydney. Um, and it's it's they also 
against you buying cryptocurrency on credit cards and whatnot, which I, I agree with. But I also, I don't think that you should be investing with debt. I don't think, you know, property, of course, it's different. You sort of leverage yourself. It's a different kettle of fish. But investing in stocks, shares, cryptocurrency, anything like that, I, I don't think it's wise to be using a credit card. But they only have singled out cryptocurrency. They've not singled out opening up a trading account and dumping it, you know, 15, 20, 40, 100,000, depending on your limit, into that. So, they're not their actions and their, their actions as far as internally to the technology is open to it because they can see how it will benefit them. Their actions to the consumer, us, is completely selfish to their Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred and fifty percent. And you know, that that's what excites me so much about the blockchain conversation overall, because I think that, you know, in understanding when I say understanding the technology, I don't mean that you're actually a coder and you have to build apps and you have to know all of the ins and outs, but just to get the general gist of it, you know, that gives you the opportunity then that when you see a white paper, when you see a startup working on something, then you can start to see the potential in it and make a smarter decision for yourself as to whether it's worth it to invest in it. And this point that you make about, you know, the banks having their their own um, opinions about how they how they operate and how they use the technology as opposed to how the public should, you know, that should be something that gets anyone with money in a bank pretty riled up. Because at the end of the day, you know, your money is yours. You work very hard for it. You know, you work to save it, to buy the things that you have to live, basically. And, you know, I can say honestly, from our team's perspective, blockchain, it really is all about freedom. And your ability to control um, control your money at all times, that that is the most amazing piece of the technology. Really, you know, is that you have the capacity to to see where it goes and to see how it moves and to really control it. And do you really want a third party who doesn't understand your situation or know anything about you to have control of that? To be able to say, oh, sorry, but today you're not getting that money out. We're going to hold on to it, you know. And I think that these are the questions that we have to start asking ourselves at the at a societal level. You know, is this really what we want? Is for banks to have a final say in how we, you know, conduct our business and control our financial affairs. And if the answer is no, then the next step is that, you know, we need to be educated about the technology that is coming, you know, and it's definitely coming by the fact that, you know, there's people who are passionate about it, who are committed to working on it. And we can see big companies already doing it. And we all know big companies, especially banks, don't put their money where it won't make the money. You know, that that's the bottom line. Absolutely. What you said there about banks telling you what you can and can't do with your money. I mean, we, we spoke briefly, Kim, before we, we hit record on this guy. So obviously we have a quick chat and we get to know each other. But I, one of the points that I brought up was that in Australia, the, the, the top four banks are very anti-crypto, right? They're anti-blockchain, um, they're anti-investing into the space, right? They've got their reasons, whatever it may be, yada, yada, who cares, right? But it comes back to the point of shutting out people from their money. Now, I we use in my business, we had a, a payment gateway. I won't say which one it was. You know what it is, Kim, but one of the payment gateways here in Australia, and they're backed by one of the top four banks. Now, out of nowhere, and we had a, we had a decent amount of money sitting in there. Now, out of nowhere, uh, this bank decided, oh, we're not going to allow you to use our transactions anymore, and we're going to lock up your money for 90 days. Now, it it was the payment gateway that did that, but they didn't want to. They were backed by the bank. 90-day lockup, 
for absolutely no reason other than the fact that somewhere in their fine print they've got they can do what they want now that for me was two things one it was wow this is getting pretty cool now it's really getting to you know the the highest echelons of business because banks tend to be some of the most biggest and powerful um, you know entities on the planet um, it's it's ruffling feathers there they're, they're, they're causing it's causing issues now for that for me that was like right they've got my money but yes that's really good because you know, if you've got something that no one cares about no one cares about it, it nothing happens now people are taking notice and, and caring about but what we said before what you said before sorry about um you know people that want to get into it and understand what blockchain is i think one of the issues again is that um it's very difficult to find i mean you, you've really got to look or know where to look to find the stories that are worthwhile reading because there's a lot of stuff out there if you go on you know, facebook and start looking you'll find a lot of rubbish now if you don't know what's good and what makes sense if you're completely new you'll go in and there'll be all this noise and you'll go look i can't this is very silly i I can't deal with this it's very rare that you'll jump onto a a place and find exactly what you're looking for that makes sense that's why i'm so happy to have you here with with what you do and i i genuinely like having people that have an intelligent understanding of not just cryptocurrency but real world business because i think a lot of uh, projects in the space they they're just set up to be crypto whereas at the end of the day the token is a means and it should be linked back to the successful outcome of that business whatever that business is trying to achieve it needs to if it needs to be on the blockchain and there's a reason for it being there that's fantastic but at the end of the day it doesn't matter how much money you raise in an ico it's the execution of the business plan and, and that's so crucially important now, Having intelligent people in this one thing, having good news and people that can break it down and make it understandable, and who have actually got a voice of reason. Where you know, you and I, we can we can talk to a traditional investor that, that has you know, maybe a million dollars in a portfolio, and they just chug along doing that. We can sit down and have that conversation and relate to them and help them to understand the the, the similarities and the differences. But I'm sure if I had an hour with these people, I would get them to go. All right, I. I probably need to consider part there of my portfolio into this space so having good credible voices out there is really important and what frustrates me and i'll ask you your opinion on this too kim is the some of the top uh, influencers let's say in the space right now could be doing good things that they're getting on television they're, they're speaking about the space and they're talking and making songs on on moon lambos i mean and, and these sorts of really immature and, and silly, silly things, it, it's holding the space back. What's your thoughts on that? Because that really riles me up. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And thanks, by the way, for, for the compliments. You know, I definitely appreciate it. And, you know, really, ultimately, at the end of the day, that's exactly why we decided to do the podcast was to say, you know, let's try to focus on news that really matters and that could be helpful for somebody out there. You know, of course, there's going to be plenty of people who know all there is to know who have been coding for years and years, who are longtime holders. And that's great. But, you know, there is a lot of um, information that could be considered basic that people just don't know that they need to know and news that really matters that might seem small, but it's at the end of the day, very significant for, for example, just to digress a little bit, you know, right now, um, Wisconsin has been, I'm, I'm sorry, Wyoming, not Wisconsin, Wyoming has been very aggressively uh, pursuing these bills to help open up the crypto space. You know, in part, they want to help boost their economy in the state, but actually Wyoming is, 
is the first state in the USA to make the LLC uh, type of business available to people. They did that in the 70s. And now they're also kind of leading the way with crypto. Granted, in New York, there's the bit license. <laughs> That's a whole nother kind of conversation in itself. But, you know, it's just to say that there's a lot of things that are happening that seem like maybe they're kind of boring or maybe insignificant to a lot of people. But ultimately, the framework that they put together in Wyoming, who knows, it might have some impact at the federal level. You know, it might be discussed with the CFTC or with the SEC, who may ultimately be regulating the space overall. And these are stories that need to be covered, that people, that everyone really needs to to hear and be aware of, because one day it could impact you and it could impact you directly in the wallet. You know, so so that's the perspective that, that we're coming from with this. But um I'm sorry, I, I digress so far that I forgot where I began. <laughs> no, no, you, uh, look, I, I can pick up on where you left off because I, I, you, you sort of hit um, on, on a really a couple of important things. Um, you, you're covering real events that are really important, and it comes back to what I said about the take yourself out of the business and work on the business. The information that you're putting out there is the information that is you see if you're outside of the business. If you're caught up in the noise and looking in Slack groups, you're going to miss these really important things that are going on, things around legislation, things around, like, I look for who's entering, uh, what managers are coming into, what business brains are coming into, what uh, hedge funds, what private equity, who is coming into the space, who is investing in the space, who is a voice in the space, who's vocal about the space, and what are these people investing in and, and, and getting involved in? Where do they see the crucial points and parts to this market growing and dominating because these people right now, if, you, if you're in, say, a VC or a private equity or whatever, and you, know, you might have, let's say, you've got a billion under management and you might want to have a fund of, say, 100 million, um, a new fund of 100 million from your billion asset, a separate fund that you will invest into um, this this blockchain space. And you're not going to go and buy tokens. You may do for a part of it, but you, you're more likely going to research what businesses to buy equity in and to help with your resources to structure in a way that's going to help bring new money in. And this is what people are looking at now. It's a lot of exchanges that are getting equity purchased within them, um, traditional business people coming into there because they see the the potential from what i've noticed anyway the potential of these entrepreneurial business people and business leaders seems to be they see the potential in not so much the icos to be involved there or they may be but it's more about getting a, a chunk of how to bring people in because we need to bring money in they're getting ahead of it them buying into uh uh, exchanges and whatnot, that tells me that what they're seeing is that a lot more people are going to come in and that's where the money is going to be made with the lowest risk. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that you're absolutely right. And we're seeing that play out with um, Circle's acquisition of Poloniex. Um, just in the last uh, couple of days here, news has come out that CoinCheck is being acquired as well. And, you know, CoinCheck just a couple of months ago, they had the the uh, hacker attack on that cryptocurrency NAM, you know, but it's, it's not, this is, again, it's not necessarily about the cryptocurrency itself or about the ICO and the money and the money and the money. It's about the future and where this technology is going. And I think you're absolutely right about, you know, looking at where the real uh, money firms are investing because you know, they, they really do uh, have a lot to do with um, the technology that, that becomes available to us later and where the overall markets move. And also the point that you made about, um, you know, the, the social the social media aspect, 
it it's so important that people who are influencers who do have the opportunity to educate the masses and share information do so responsibly you know because we can see i i won't call the name I, it's already out there in, in the news but you know the people with years and years of experience who lead multi-billion dollar corporations who are getting paid to tweet about cryptocurrencies and people are thinking well oh great this person has tweeted about it so i should invest in it because they're invested in it you know they might not even be invested in it they might just be getting a paycheck for it you know so you have to be extremely careful and and i think that definitely you know looking at the facts looking at the real news looking at where the real investments are being made is a very good indicator uh, for sure I, I'm, I'm with you and I, like one of the things that really annoys me is these pump and dumps and that particular individual i i really have a, a, a seething uh, um very deep passionate uh, dislike for what he's done because he's lined his pockets and his mates with huge amounts of money at the expense of other people um and the problem that like what i try and do in this space is to help people to understand and, and think logically have routine structure what they're doing know what they're doing have an approach to execute flawlessly as opposed to running around chasing their tail but i do know even friends of mine that you know they they said like i'll be up at 4 30 in the morning waiting for for the tweet um and and they they've got i mean they've got money right they've got good money they've gone into these things by the time the slippage had let them in they were in up somewhere high and then they tried to get out and because of the slippage to get out they couldn't get out the first night lost about twenty thousand, so it was decent but for them not huge the next night lost one hundred and fifty thousand. and i said to them i said look hey i said look don't don't do this a it's a it, you know it was around christmas time. I said, a spend time with your family b Listen to me. Like I know what I'm doing here. I know what doesn't work, and this does not work. And I told them exactly what would happen, um, and it did happen. And they were very, very upset um, and embarrassed. Like they were, they were basically tail between the legs. Sort of, look, I've got to, I, I want to tell you about this because I can't tell the people. I can't tell my wife. I can't tell this person. I can't tell that person because I'm so ashamed. But I've got to talk to somebody. And um, I just said, look, let it be a lesson. Understand that there is no such thing as a free lunch. You know, you've got to put the work in. You've got to have the strategy. Now, whether that be a fundamental strategy or a technical trading strategy or whatever your strategy is, it's got to be something that is real and exists, not strategy, oh, we'll just follow people's tweets. Um, now, coming back to what we were saying before about the influencers and, and not using it, their voice as a powerful and positive space, uh, I think a lot of people just don't know what they're doing. They're, they've, you know, my saying is even a turkey can fly in a hurricane. I think a lot of turkeys have flown uh, in the hurricane, and um, they're they're kind of starting to be a little bit exposed now. Uh, and they don't tend to like to speak with people or be interviewed by people that have a level of intelligence that may actually question some things. Um, we, we see that quite, they like to stay within their circle of people that sort of just love them. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's really important that everybody sort of understands that they need to look beyond the noise in the middle. Now, what, one other thing I want to sort of touch on, you are in the news. That is what you do. You're reporting on things, so to speak, and trying to break things down into a, for what I understand, a relatively easy way to understand it, but also hitting on the key details that are relevant to the space. I've, I've watched some of them this afternoon as I waited for 7.30 to come around. Um, what what are you seeing at the moment? I'm not sure how much interaction you have with your listeners, your, your database or whatever, but what are you seeing at the moment as being the, the critical topical conversation, uh, sorry, the critical points within your, I guess, 
readership, listeners, whatever it may be, what do you see them as, what's their major focus at the moment, if, if you know? And if you don't know, what do you think is the major focus at the moment? Yeah. Um, so I can tell you, you know, we, we do have some longtime uh, customers that we've had for years and years, long before, you know, this was really any big thing, let's say. And I think that the number one issue is that of privacy. Um, and the second is that of uh, regulation. And the two absolutely go hand in hand. You know, coming from a, a large banking institution, I'm familiar with AML KYC, which is um, anti-money laundering rules and know your customer rules. And basically those state that you need to, you need to understand who your customer is, how they do business, identify them to ensure that um, your business is safe, that the community that participates within your business is safe and secure, and to try to avoid uh, terrorism and the flow of money to places that to places or to people where governments don't want it to be where it shouldn't be. And you know that 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 is an important thing. Um, it's rolling out to banks all over the world on account of you know U.S. policy and, and regulation. And I think that that this is something that is very much of key concern to our customers. And I think to many people um, and, and our listeners and to many people in the crypto space, because as the regulators become more concerned, they see how this crypto area is exploding. And for all those exchanges or you know individuals who are trading without these AML KYC procedures in place, they face fines. You can face uh, jail time ultimately, and you know it, it's really something that's quite serious. And that now many exchanges are are starting to get the gist of it and realize they need to get on the bandwagon. So for many uh, people who have previously invested in crypto, when you know many transactions in the past may have been rather fast and loose, you know you just say, okay, I, I want to buy one bitcoin or half bitcoin, and here you go. It really can't and, and shouldn't um, operate in that way if you you know expect to operate in a legitimate and legal manner. So that's something that's of concern to some people. And it, again, it goes hand in hand with regulation because you know as as more regulation comes out in various jurisdictions, um, they're going to have this requirement. And we've seen it even with uh, payment processors in Europe. You know, if if you want to do transactions, they want to see your actual AML KYC policy, and you need to have something. Um, something strong in place to make sure that you're not enabling any individuals who who really shouldn't technically um, participate. So I would say that those those are the main things that people are mindful of. And and then I guess third to that is, you know, tax tax liability and where will they be, be liable if you reside in one place, but you're a citizen of another, you know, how does that play out? And who knows? <laughs> who knows? Time will tell on that one. But I think that for sure, from a business perspective, you know, if if you operate within the crypto space, the very best thing that you can do is to try to get in line with with the regulations because they're coming. There's no way that it's not as crypto grows bigger and bigger. You know, it's just the next step in the evolution, and you need to get on board with these things and and make sure that your customers are aware of what's coming, that they understand the reason for it, and that you're able to facilitate them in a very easy way to make sure that everyone gets what they need at the end of the day. 
So uh, around privacy, I find this interesting. Your, your perspective on privacy is different to I interviewed somebody else, or sorry, I was on somebody else's show today, and uh, they asked me, you know, the the key things that I look for in a project, and 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 I also had a, a poll that they had their own things of what you know, asking their viewers or listeners what they thought was the most important. And privacy was in that list as well. So I'd be very interested. I mean, privacy to me, it, it I don't mind. Like, I don't mind people knowing that I'm buying Bitcoin, that I'm trading cryptocurrency. I, I'm not concerned about that. I mean, privacy for me, like, I, I view this as like any other asset. I've, I've got a company set up. I've got a, a structure in place that suits me. Um, now, with that, I, I don't, I'm not trying to dodge tax. I'm not scared of tax. I actually think tax is an important part of a functioning society. Sure, some things are the way that they spend their money. I don't agree with, but that's just life, right? I don't, like, a, lot, a lot of people ask about tax and they're, how do I avoid paying tax? How do I do this with tax? So I think that's a really silly thing in my view my personal opinion to focus your attention on when there's so much else that you could be focusing on look paying a large amount of tax is the result of having a large amount of money i, I don't see it as an issue how they tax it i do see it, you know, that will be very interesting but I, i'm really keen to know the why the, what aspect of privacy is the not issue but the conversational point at the moment is it the product or is it the, the privacy of an individual and what they have like, where does it sit with you Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from my from my perspective, my understanding of this is not necessarily one of uh, tax evasion. You know, I don't think that that anyone that I have encountered has been eager to try to avoid taxes altogether. But it's more it's more a matter of um, just personal privacy and feeling a certain level of ownership of your own data. Um, similar to these issues that we're seeing coming out with Facebook, you know, right now with with Cambridge Analytica that, you know, the company had basically captured and sold all of this data. And, you know, you have no idea how it's being used and are you being tracked and et cetera. And although I would say that certainly um, people who it's a small fraction of people who, you know, do business on the dark web and are interested in in that aspect of it when it comes to this. But I think a lot of people who who have been interested in blockchain from the very beginning are interested in this concept of freedom. And in line with that comes, you know, your rights to to own your personal data. And I think that that's where um, some of our users certainly take interest um, for sure, because, you know, they, they want to, know, especially, um, I must say, looking at the differences in data protection in the EU versus in America, you know, in America, to a large degree, it, it, it's very lax and almost doesn't exist, which is even how this how this um, issue came about with, with this Cambridge Analytica scandal at present. But in Europe, you know, there are standards of how you control an individual's data. They have the uh, regulations and directives around c- cookies on the internet and you know what data you can actually collect from people and making sure that they're aware of that and i think that you know we we do have a pretty um some of our longtime customers i would say are, are pretty intellectual and and very knowledgeable about um the blockchain space and so it's something that's of concern to them because ultimately you know how do you know that someone won't or a government won't take this data and use it in in some way you know not to be a conspiracy theorist but there are just things that we don't know and um you know so in introducing these regulations i think that these are the the points that are of some concern to folks because before it was just open and free and you could you could manage everything the way you wanted to and now you won't have that control potentially you know or you may have limited control 
I, I hear you on that. It's a definitely a good point. And it's definitely there for the, the purists seem to have a very strong opinion on, on the privacy because that was why they got in. Whereas now it's it's an asset class that people enter into as well. Like That's the reason I'm here. Uh, I like the idea of it being able to give power back to the people and change the way that we live and give, give back to a community that... Uh, has power as opposed to living under a pyramid scheme with a government. Um, I, I think that's really good for the space as well. It keeps people honest. And I'm, I'm very much not just an investor and in trying to make money. I, I also really like what's uh, what's going on in the space. I mean, the, the privacy thing and the, the tax thing, I, it, it seems so simple, but I'm sure as hell it's not. It, to me, what happens in crypto stays in crypto as far as your private keys and whatnot. But we need to, if we're going to bring money out, and he, here's where it's tricky. If we're going to bring money back, bring crypto back to fiat, which is one way at the moment, right? Because we can't pay for everything in, in, in crypto right now. If we're going to bring money out of crypto into fiat, then that is a very simple way. It, it's the same as investing in shares. If my shares go up by 25% this year, I don't get taxed on that 25% immediately until I realize that because I'm not going to pay out you know, 30%, let's say, with corporate tax rate here in Australia. I'm not going to pay that on something that's not realized. Because it could go down again, and you know, it's it's a it's a complicated way of looking at it. And I won't talk too much more about tax because I'm not a tax expert. If anyone's considering it, go and speak to your own accountant for sure, and your financial planner, and all that sort of stuff. But it's it, it's it, the coming out is it seems like I mean that's how I do it. I do take profits. Okay, I, I'm a I'm an investor. I am a trader, and I'm an intelligent enough human being in the space to understand that I, I do have a business to run. I do have a way of operating right um i don't i haven't really taken a, a great deal of profits from my investments in the space because they, they, they're nowhere near where i think that they'll go to but as a trader uh, I, I do take some profits out from time to time more so for my um i guess that the profit taking is really for the um rewards so part of what i do in the structure it's not I don't just teach trading strategy. That's that's where I separate. I, I'm not just teaching technical analysis. I teach people what they need to know to execute the strategies that I use. So I don't cover everything. I just cover what I use, right? Now, I also do a lot on the routine because it's, it's not just about the strategy. I can give you my strategies. You can learn them in a day, no problem, a couple of days, right? After that couple of days, you'll have the same rules. You'll understand how to execute that more or less. But are you instantly going to have the 11 years of experience executing that plan flawlessly and get the same results? No, of course not. And it's not, as I learned more and more and more and spent more and more time with, with mentors and great traders when I was in London, when I was in New York, when I was all around Europe and in New Zealand as well and, and here in Australia, what I learned was it's not actually what goes on when you take the trade. Okay, that's not what's important. What, what is important in trading is what you do before then to get yourself into the right headspace. What you do when you're in that right headspace is the flaws execution. Now, if I'm one day feeling you know, annoyed and grumpy and having one of those terrible days and I look at the same, watch, sorry, the same checklist, I might read that checklist in a different way. The checklist hasn't changed, but my emotion, my mood has changed. And I noticed this through taking screenshots of every single trade I took for, you know, I still do it, and monitoring it at the end of every single week and writing a report because you can be the, your best educated yourself is that I, when the markets were closed because they would close on a weekend, I do my analysis of the week and a month and a quarter. And what I noticed was that if my mood wasn't right when I took the trade because I would give a mood score, um, the way I, I would look at things and go, geez, I, I, I thought that was correct. Are you kidding me? That's terrible. It's just, it's just simply not. But obviously in that moment in time, I thought that was 
Correct. Absolutely correct. So it's it's about having a, a routine. And this is what we talk about with the education in the space. It's not just about focusing on, on one thing. People need to understand that if you're going to invest, if you're going to trade, if you're going to have a be a participant within this marketplace, it's more than just the token. It's more than just the money. It's more than just the strategy. There's a huge amount to it, and there's an amazing opportunity for people to build careers in this space. If you're a you know computer person, if you're a coder, or if you're if you're a business person, an entrepreneur, there's a huge like learning a little bit about this space now and still having your normal you know day job with the bank or whatever it may be. That's going to be very, very valuable, and it is becoming very, very valuable now. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot going on, um, and I'm really, really excited about everything that's going on in the space. So one more question before we wrap it up, because I don't usually have a show that is this long, but I, I've just I, I could talk to you all, all day, Kim. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, a really good conversation in the space. I, I really do appreciate your time. Um, when we talk about regulation, um, specifically right because that was one of the points you said privacy and, and regulation what do you like what do you see as um what it can do do you see it as a positive thing and if so when like how do you think if they do it if they start to regulate what do you think the effects will be because it's divided in the community people want to have a market that's worth 10 trillion dollars in five years but to get that there's certain things that need to occur they, they might want to have that but they might not want to give up what they need to to effectively create that so what's your thought on regulation at the moment yes um so when it comes to regulation i must say honestly i personally i think that it's a positive thing i think that regulation overall is good um because you know people to a certain degree with the way how society is even with banking we've gotten used to having a certain level of assurances and insurance you know if you deposit money in the bank you know that it's insured up to, up to X, XYZ dollars and you'll be covered in the event that the bank becomes insolvent or whatever. The bank has to answer to its own regulators, you know, at the, at the country level to say, you know, here's, here's how we've been operating our business. Here's how we handle IT. Here's how we expect to be resilient for the next few years. Here's how we expect to dissolve in the event that we need to. So I think that applying those uh, same, similar, not the same, but applying similar standards to, to this uh, space would be beneficial because I think it will ultimately in the long run um, invite a lot more investors to it because they'll feel, they'll feel more familiarity with it and they'll feel safer as well that their investment is in some way protected. Now that said, I think what's critical is how the regulation is executed. You know, you can't do it in a closed door with just the existing powers that be and say, okay, here's what's going to happen because people, you know, the people are not going to like that. And, and I don't think that that's going to go over well. I think that if it's a conversation with people who are active in the space and they have an opportunity to voice their opinions, you know, open town halls and, and, a, and an evolution as opposed to, I think, I think honestly what happened with BitLicense where, you know, it was just a few guys in a room sitting for, for a bit of time and in 2015, here you are and everyone leaves and ultimately becomes independent consultants. I think that's, I think that's bad. I don't think that that's good for, for anyone. Um, but I think that if there's an open conversation, open dialogue and people are able to participate in the development of these regulations and that they're, they're fair and they protect consumers and also leave the ability for um you know for the technology to develop 
then I think that, you know, it, it could be the best possible outcome. Okay. Full, full stop. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. So the the, um, the regulation space, I, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, one thing I can say in in Australia, anyway, there's been a talk, not so much regulation, but the tax office has actually asked for for information from what we believe how it should be done, or to, to give feedback, which is really interesting. It's it's a first sign of engaging, uh, which I think is really important and a very mature thing for a government to do. The other thing I think with the regulation, there's two things: is they they don't want to be too hasty to run out there and be against it because current sorry countries at the moment it's we're leaning more and more towards tech being the the, the important thing it's, it's less about resources like as, as I mean we still obviously use up we dig up oil we, we wreck the planet we still do that but we are changing the economies are changing of the world and especially in Australia I really hope that they put their heads in the right place because right now we still are very heavily you know gdp wise a, a resource exporter we, we export a lot of iron ore uh, and other things coal and whatnot and, and obviously coal is not good it will not be there forever it is hurting the world uh, we're all very aware of that and as renewables become cheaper and cheaper and more feasible and and, and the you know the, the community demands it more especially these new millennials that are coming through that are much more up to date on what is wrong and wanting to fix it i, I think that Australia has, in particular, has a really good opportunity here to position themselves in a way where we become a Silicon Valley country, a, a valley, a country where there's a lot of good tech. Now, as far as projects coming out of Australia, we have a very good um, reputation at the moment for execution of, of certain projects. I mean, the way that I sort of describe it so it's nice and easy to understand is if in the 2000 Olympics, when we had it here in Sydney, um, Australia, we're a small nation, we were so high up on the medal count, we, we were punching well above our weight in sport and we have for a long time. But now we're not quite there. So in the in the cryptocurrency and ICO business space, we are punching above our weight. We are getting a lot of interest from international, like we, we're getting international investment for the ICOs and, and, and projects. If Australia positions themselves well, we can really start to take, not control, but take a, a very important international role because Australia is a trusted country. We are a democracy. We are you know, a well-rated country to do business with. We got that choice to move forward in that space, or we can do what they're trying to do, which is build the biggest coal mine of Townsville, which will send ships through the middle of the Great Barrier Reef and pollute the world and do it with a, with a business, uh, the Adani project, which is, you know, it's, it's not, there's no good that comes from that for the sake of four or 5,000 jobs. I mean, this is where we're at in this country. We, we're, we're at a point where it, it's very, very silly that the good thing is the politicians have been told they've changed their, their view a little bit and they're, they're moving in that direction. The, the, the issue that we have in crypto is I don't think we have enough Australians that will also shift that space. Secondly, sorry, a fair bit on that. But secondly, and I'm, I'm just sort of talking with you, Kim, if, if you want to jump in, please do, because I, I want to get your perspective as well. The, as I say, the, 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 uh, Everybody who's in crypto, we want to see that there's three different people. There's people that are just there for greed. There are people that are there as investors in the space who are looking at uh, the, the industry and growing, like professionals. And then there are people that are that were in early and they're very uh, big on the um, you know the the privacy, like like you said, those types of people. I think they're the three people that are in there right now. Now all of these people want to see the market grow. They want to see, you know, cryptocurrency. What we're two hundred and fifty billion or whatever we're at now. We, we, we went to seven fifty or whatever it was. We want to see this as a multi-trillion-dollar market. Now, so far, what we've seen is more or less 
the rise of the ma and pa investment, ma and pa money. More and more people know about crypto, but through that run up to 20,000, people were opening accounts and throwing money in there in a wild FOMO race to try and catch capture some of this momentum, which was madness, uh, obviously inevitable as to what would happen. But that... Um, that needs to turn now to institutions because you're not going to get my, my parents, I'd said to them, if, if you want to put some money aside, I'll manage that portfolio for you. Just, you know, I'm just going to tell you that this is something new and in five or 10 years when I've done what I've done, I don't want you to say, why didn't you tell me about it? <laughs> so I offered them the opportunity. They, they're not going to get into it because they don't want to do this private key stuff. They don't want to learn that. But if they had a nice little spot to enter through a already established fund, it was really easy, for example, then they will, that, that money will come in through a different vehicle. Now, the only way the institutions are going to do that is by being comfortable with the regulation and the risk because twofold. One, a lot of the world's wealth is wrapped up in a very small percentage. So the large investment banks, they uh, have most of their investment assets come from a small amount of, I shouldn't say most because I don't know the numbers, but it's a large percentage. Now, obviously, these high, very, very ultra high net worth people, they get offered to come across to this fund or this fund all the time. They, they love to poach people. They love, you know, you, you, if you can bring 10, 20, 100 million at a time, then that's good for the, the fund or the investment bank. Now, if they were to, if, say, a Barclays, for example, said, look, we're going to invest in cryptocurrency directly as Barclays. They run the risk there, I, I believe, of of the older generation, the, the European money that's been around for a lot longer. You know, the, oh, we're, we're happy with how this is with David, our private banker. They they run the risk of that level of clientele going, well, we don't want to be associated with something like this. We, we think that this is a very silly thing to do. It's Even though we, we're not investing in that fund, we don't like the direction that it's going. So again, it comes back to the institutional risk, not just the risk of the money, but the risk of the reputation. And I think that's a big stepping stone to get through, which regulation, depending on how it's done, can, can do that. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an excellent point. It's a very, very good point. I think that, you know, every single major bank is definitely at the top of their list. It's just, you know, the reputational risk um, that, that, that they run every day just in doing their, their business. Um, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it's definitely up to the major banks and, and the tone that they set when it comes to cryptocurrency as far as how things are going to pan out. Because as you said, they are behind those uh, global processors. They're ultimately processing the credit cards that are helping, you know, all of the businesses in the in the area to be able to operate. And if they're not supportive, you know, then then what do we have? But at the end of the day, I think that they're taking, you know, a somewhat smart approach and kind of dipping their toes in the water. And we see it, you know, here and there with the internal blockchain developments that they're working on, you know, various um, associations with, let's say, like Ripple or, you know, other um, other blockchain uh, infrastructure platforms that they're testing out um, with even being a backer of other companies that are making investments, such as Circle, you know, which is backed by one of their investors is, is Goldman Sachs. So although they might not be directly involved, they're taking they're taking their roots, you know, they're taking their roots to ultimately get to the end goal and just see how things play out. But for sure, getting them to come to the table and really take it seriously, that does require people um, being knowledgeable about the space and also properly managing their own personal risk, you know, and it goes back to what you said about buying the cryptos with credit cards and, you know, on, on credit in general, 
You have to be very, very careful with that. If millions of people default on a credit card that they use to buy Bitcoin, that doesn't that doesn't uh, you know bode well for the overall cryptocurrency market. So we have to be very cautious about that, and also about businesses that are just kind of hopping on the bandwagon and and getting in while it's hot, just to try to make a buck with all of these ICOs. We've actually had a lot of interest from various companies um, internationally about um, you know a fiat to crypto exchange solution. And um, we will be launching something uh, later on this year for, you know, for select businesses. But, you know, it's really not something to jump into headfirst without doing any kind of research and just looking at the money and the profit side of it. It really is about understanding, understanding business, staying knowledgeable about it, you know, following the people that you should follow, following the news and understanding what's going on and continuing to educate yourself on the technology. Kim, that was wonderful. I thank you so much for your time, guys. We're, we're at an hour. Look, I honestly could keep, keep on talking. Kim Jones, ladies and gentlemen, this is Coin FM. So that it's www.coin.fm. Uh, obviously, there will be links there uh, on the show, the podcast that you can go and have a look at. And look, after speaking, I've got to be honest, I didn't spend a great deal of time on the website just because, you know, I'm so flat out uh, doing content and, and doing what I do. I mean, I basically do the front end. I'm, I am the content. My, my business partner takes care of the, the the back end, so to speak. And we have been inundated with uh, you know requests for you know things like this. And it's very difficult to work out who to speak with and who not to align our brand with because we we do want to be seen as a credible source because we are. What you said about understanding the business side of it that has impressed me immensely. I, I, there's only a couple of people that I have spent time with and spoken with that truly understand that depth um that's beyond crypto i really really appreciate your time kim and uh, if there's anything i can do with you in the future i'd absolutely love to if i get to new york when you're there i'd love to catch up have a chat same with more likely poland i'd say that's more likely new york than poland i'll be honest um my travels with but um look it's been an absolute pleasure uh thank you so much and guys uh, you know i will be a lot so you guys should too, a great source of news and a very intelligent, and a woman. It's so brilliant. I, I hope that doesn't sound sexist. It's just a fact. I, I think it's excellent that there's more females coming into this space because if we want to double the market cap, the easiest way to do it is to bring in more women because there's not that many in the space. Yes, good point. Very good point. Very good point. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And it has been a pleasure speaking with you also. And definitely I'm with you. I want to see more women in the space because it's important. Everyone has a voice to share about this and I think everyone should. Thank you so much again, Kim, for your time. Stick around after the show. I'd like to have a quick chat with you as well as I, I don't want to uh, just hang up right away. Thank you so much for tuning in when you have. I really appreciate it. It's actually, we've recorded this on a Friday night and I don't care. It's been absolutely <laughs> wonderful having you on the show. Thank you very much. You. Ladies and gentlemen, Kim Jones from Coin.fm. Go get stuck in. Thank you. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Check out TraderCobb.com because experience matters. This show is proudly sponsored by Coinspot.com.au, with the largest range of cryptocurrencies anywhere in the Australian market. With an updated verification process, you can now be verified using only your driver's license or passport within seconds. You can instantly deposit funds and instantly start buying and selling your favorite cryptocurrencies in under five minutes. 
CoinSpot are giving away $10 worth of free Bitcoin for each verified user once they make their first deposit. Just go to coinspot.com.au forward slash BTC123. Views are of the advertiser, not TraderCobb or the audio presenter.